everyone, and welcome to another episode of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo. With me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, belated Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Happy uh, the Mets are winning baseball games, but also sacrifice their best player to do it. Uh, we, They're cursed for uh, it's, it's, it's We're just going to accept it, and eventually we'll get the payoff um, that the Cubs and Red Sox got. Yeah, so worth it. I love to wait decades and decades. I love to wait until I'm going to die to win a World Series. Because we, we've, we've already waited over 30 years. So. Yep. Yeah, but at We're least it wouldn't end, even though Jacob DeDrama is not allowed to have like a lat that works functionally. So good, good trade-off. What else? Happy uh, selection, I guess, day after selection Sunday or two days after selection Sunday when you're listening to this for both lacrosse teams. They both made it. One was not a surprise. One was not really a surprise, but like a at least a, was a question. Yes, a major relief. And a, 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 I mean, we'll get into it in a bit. Um, pretty nice draw for both, honestly, I think, but yeah. certainly for the men. Yeah, happy uh, happy NBA stretch run. The uh, the season wraps up in less than a week. And, and, and everybody's talking about your New York Knickerbockers. Yeah, they're just, uh, they, they won't go away. I'm not, I'm uncomfortable Ever. with it. I don't want to play them in the playoffs, but it doesn't look like that'll be super, like, legit. I mean, that's probably not going to happen. As a uh, troll move, have... I kind of want to fall to the sixth seed. Just to... Yeah, the, the, the Nets have decided they don't really want to play for the one seed for some reason. <laughs> Even though the 2-3 is, like, way worse because you have to play either the Bucks or the Sixers, depending on who finishes where, probably the Bucks. So uh, not my favorite thing that we've kind of, like, nonchalantly accepted that we're going to be a 2 or a 3, but... They also have that crazy comeback on Saturday night against the Nuggets, so that was fun. That cost um, me $60, the, Dan. <laughs> I actually had the Nuggets plus like four, too. So, uh, yeah, I had the Nuggets plus three and a half. It was a, I had a three-team parlay. It was them. The I had I had Golden State was pl- it was minus 14 and a half. I got that one. There was, I think, I think I bet on the Wizards because I've been betting on them lately. And then it was this game, and I bet on Denver and thought thought I had it in the bag. Uh, and then things went horribly wrong. I'm going to go ahead and say, I think like sports need to make these like big, bold playoff changes. I think often it, it, it's either like a net enough, a zero, or it doesn't really work out. I think the, the play in tournament has kind of been like a massive success. Like there is so much more juice for these like seven to 10 teams than 100%. there ever is prior. And also I do think outside of like the thunder who were hopeless by mid season and like are obviously just tanking harder than anyone's ever tanked before. Like there are so few teams that are just like totally bottoming out intentionally. It's it, I think it's been great. I I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I think all the I, and I'm usually like a pretty big LeBron fan slash defender. I think he's been ridiculous with his whole thing. Cuban was ridiculous when they fell into the seven seed for a week and they're complaining. Like, sorry, like win more games. But like inconsistency. Like realistically, like everybody. The only people that are ever like boisterously against it are people that have to be involved in the game and they didn't think they were going to like LeBron right. loved it last year, like was on the record saying he loved it last year when the Lakers were like a behemoth. And then this year, like when there's a chance that they're going to have to play Steph Curry for a seven seed, like suddenly everything sounds horrendous. And like, you know, Cuban, like you really haven't heard much about that since Dallas um, kind of improved their situation to some extent. I, I think too, like you have with, with fewer games, you're gonna you're obviously gonna have teams closer stacked together. But then with more games in a short stretch, like it's hard to find on a nightly basis games that don't matter in terms of playoff seeding, just because again, like with, with fewer games, it's it's less likely that there's gonna be this huge gap between seeds. 
but then also, yeah, just having more 10 teams involved on each side, uh, potentially more, depending on how close the races are for that 10 seed, um, you do end up with, with, I think, something super interesting. And I think the NBA might have actually figured out um, it's like end of season interest problem somehow, like like tripping and, and, fell into it, to be honest. Yeah, and it and it helps certainly that both conferences have super intriguing teams in that in that area. Obviously, the Celtics that have been below today with the Jalen Brown news, but like you have the Celtics who are going to probably be in that tournament. You have the Hornets who are super interesting when they're healthy and Lamelo's playing. You have the Wizards who are like a weird juggernaut late in the season because Westbrook's turned into like a you know 2017 Westbrook and Beal hopefully is healthy and he's you know liable to drop 50 any night and then the West as you said you have LeBron and Steph who very very possibly could beat in this thing um and then even the Grizzlies and the Spurs and the Pelicans like the Pelicans are probably gonna probably out of it now with Zion out but like the Spurs of Spurs the Grizzlies are a fun young team like it's it certainly helps that the NBA thing is deeper this year than it's been in a bit on both sides um but no, it's been super fun to watch, and I think it has really helped with the tanking problem. Like, looking at the Western Conference, there are only three teams that are really awful. One of them traded away Harden this year. The Thunder are, are you know, a joke, but, like, the Thunder deserve credit for not tanking for, like, four years before this. They, like, really went for it for a while, and this, they finally, like, fell up, fell, like, you know, fell apart this year. But, like, I give them credit for for handling things the way they have handled it post losing everybody and the Timberwolves are just a joke but like it, it there's it's just like it seems like it's really helped nullify that even in the east it's, it's just three teams really on both sides that are out of it at this point and you have teams that aren't like even you know aren't even legitimate contenders to really make any noise and they still they still seem to be interested in trying to make the playoffs this expanded playoff field so yeah I, I think it's uh it's been a great success I think it's uh really helped mitigate a lot of the issues the NBA had so kudos to them sorry LeBron and Mark Cuban if you're affected but I don't feel that bad for you um yeah overall good good job NBA yeah I mean and two I think part of this is that the flattening of the lottery odds um kind of does this as well because there's less incentive to be historically bad uh, a la the uh, process 76ers um for for even one year never mind several uh if, if you don't have you know a, a great chance to win that, well, at least as good of a chance to to get that top seat, uh, top spot in the the lottery. So realistically, I think a lot of interesting things coming together at once. Um, I, I think that again, we'll see if this holds for like an eighty two game season, or if the NBA even decides to do this um, the next time they have an, an eighty two game season, which should be next year. Um, but it's it's fun, it's fascinating. Hopefully, um, hopefully, people watching. Uh, or will people listening like actually are watching here and there is definitely some compelling basketball on. I know a lot of Syracuse fans are anti-NBA for reasons unknown, but well worth um, your time and energy here. I mean, even the Sacramento Kings could could get into this thing now um, because of, you know, the Spurs free falling, the Grizzlies free falling, the Kings obviously want their, you know, kind of spending gambit to pay off similar to the Bulls really on the East too. Um, where both teams have kind of spent a lot of money for middling teams. And now we're trying to find a way to like backdoor themselves into at least something that looks like a playoff run for, for fans sake. And those, some of those teams are like kind of scary on a given night. Like, I don't think they're, you know, huge threats to be the couple the top couple teams in the, in each conference, but like they can put a stare into you. So yeah, I think uh, we've definitely had a, an interesting year. Uh, it helps that both, both New York teams are like, obviously different, but like the Knicks are so far ahead of where everyone thought they would be. And the Nets are, you know, on a given night, look like a absolute terrifying offensive juggernaut. And other nights they, you know, just fold, but, um, or are injured 
like crazy, but hopefully both will be healthy and uh, firing in all cylinders. And again, don't think we're going to have a playoff series just based on how things are lining up, but uh, who knows? Milwaukee's only a half game back of you guys right now. And if, and if we, we suddenly lose like two games, you're, you're, you're in that three, six uh, sweets. That's true. It just feels like the Knicks are not losing those days. Like they just haven't, they haven't had a skid like in a long, long time. Yeah. Since uh, what will be 26 and 27, I want to say. And then yeah, it's since been then, like, we're kind of uh, unstoppable. Yeah, like you guys maybe lose a game, but like it's they. It, I they, when was the last time they were not the four in the four spot? Like three or four weeks ago. It's been at least I think two and a half. The yeah. Hawks have kind of cooled off. The Heat never really got themselves like completely back together. So, and then obviously the Celtics have just you know, it is what it is at this point. Now, if the so, Knicks want to knock off the Sixers, and then we meet in a two-four series, I'm okay. I don't think we can knock off. I, I think realistically, at this point, like you're not going to see. I, I, I think you'll probably end up staying the two. I think Milwaukee still ends up staying the three because I think they'll start resting people. Uh, Middleton's like kind of middling health. Um, and we'll that's where I want to get Harden back going. Yeah. Like, try to build some chemistry there because they've played six games with all three of those guys. So it's like, they're weirdly like disincentivized from resting guys. Like they might do it with Durant here and there, but like you think they'd want to get Harden, Durant and Kyrie at least like a couple games together if they can. It sounds like Harden might come back Wednesday. Um, But it's interesting. That first series, whoever we play is going to be like kind of a weird, like ramp up series, which is not what I love, uh, especially when it's like the heat. Yeah, I mean, you really don't want Miami. I mean, if you got, I mean, this isn't the the outcome I want for the Knicks, but like if Miami jumped Atlanta, you guys facing Atlanta would be an ideal situation if you're the three seed. Um, but even if you, but if you're the two, you probably want to face Boston. I think. Yeah, we've yeah, handled Boston pretty easily this year. We weirdly played Boston and like a couple other teams better than we've played. Like the Knicks, I don't think have won more than a game against the Nets, but they play on top of every game. The uh, right. the the Heat are, are annoying. Uh, the, I mean, truly the team that plays as hard is like the Magic, but uh, obviously they're out of it now. Um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of those like pesky teams down in the standings, like they don't scare me more, but um, we seem to like really ramp up for like the Sixers and the Bucks when we're fully healthy and, and the Western Conference top teams. But the like pesky middling Eastern Conference teams uh, give us more trouble. The Hawks give us trouble this year too, so I'd rather avoid, I'd avoid them too. Celtics are a big name and have stars, so I think they kind of like don't get lumped in there, even if they are very much a middling Eastern Conference team this year. This has been your NBA talk. Yeah, way longer than we expected, but you know that's what happens. Yeah, you'll everybody's fine. You'll you'll deal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you will survive. You're not yeah, gonna melt. I, I perfectly promise. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about the women's lacrosse team first? Um, did want to get into a little bit of bracket uh, talk. I know yesterday, um, Sunday, for those listening, uh, I know Christian and Steve and Andy, and then we're uh, joined by John, our lacrosse editor. Um, he, the four of them, kind of talked through the seedings in real time, some live uh, bracket chatter. So that was fun. But I think now we're just going to talk a little bit here um, about where Syracuse ended up and what their situation looks like. I think like many, um, you know, with Northwestern and the rest of the Big Ten only playing Big Ten schedules, I think SU should have been a three, uh, two seed. 
um, over the Wildcats instead of get a three uh, is what it is. I think ultimately you, you could very well end up in the same place. I really like the draw here for them. Um, Loyola or Hofstra uh, will be their game after the bye. Um, on the other side, you'll have Florida uh, against Mercer, Jacksonville, Vanderbilt. Uh, I, I really do like uh, what happens there. Really, no matter who gets out, I mean, Florida could be pretty formidable, but uh, realistically, I, I think SU is in a pretty good spot there. Um, on the other side, there's potentially some concern once you get to the Final Four. Um, I think SU is better than Northwestern, but uh, you get Duke over there um, as well as uh, an unseated but still dangerous Maryland team. Uh, yeah, I, I think SU is in very, very good um, standing to get themselves to the national championship game for the first time in what since 2014. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I like this. Uh, I like the path that we've you know had laid out for us. Obviously, we beat Loyola pretty handily. Uh, to start the year, 16, or, uh, 18 to 6, back in February. Um, we did not play Hofstra, but Hofstra's, you know, they are who they are. They're a nice, smaller school, but not one that's in Asteris, really. Jacksonville, Vanderbilt, same thing. Like, I'm not going to get worried about those. that matchup. Florida is obviously the team here. Um, there are a couple uh, games we can kind of compare. They beat Louisville to start the year, 14 to 7. We beat Louisville. Um, we blew them out both times, 19-5 and 19-7 in back-to-back games. Uh, and then they lost a you know, relatively tight game to North Carolina, 11-5. to five. Uh, We played one tight and one not-so-tight game against North Carolina, who was the number one seed. So, um, yeah, Florida is definitely like the only team that super concerns me in our region here. Um, but uh, I think we've played, you know, we have a somewhat of a history with Florida in the NCAA tournament. I think we've uh kind of know what we're up against there uh the sit seed so um i'm pretty confident in getting at least the final four obviously northwestern as you said is kind of a mystery um dude's also down in that bottom region uh but uh we beat them 15 to 5 earlier in the year which doesn't mean everything but um yeah i just think that this 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 half of the bracket like there's a lot to like here if you're a syracuse fan yeah i think the other positives uh clearly you know avoiding boston college um, yep. who's been pretty pesky in recent years uh, for Syracuse. Uh, they ended up a four seed. Uh, they got Notre Dame, they had Notre Dame as well as Virginia um, in that bracket. So not really ideal for them. Um, also avoiding the four seed for Syracuse meant um, avoiding North Carolina until a potential title game, uh, which is great. If Stony Brook wants to upset North Carolina um, in the regional final there, feel free. Uh, That'd be great. Yeah, I, I love for Syracuse women's lacrosse to take home their first national championship, um, especially in a weird year where they ended up losing, uh, you know, their two best players. Like, definitely, definitely would be a, a, a fun uh, kind of finish after uh, or what's been a pretty rough year um, for, for SU women's lacrosse, especially when last year looked like, um, you know, a title bound team potentially just like this year's has for for various points. Yeah, it would be a really good story. Obviously, North Carolina, if it gets to that point, and we're obviously getting very ahead of ourselves, um, is a tough hill to climb. They've played us really tough this year. They are locked in as a number one seed. Um, but uh, the old adage goes, and I don't know how much lacrosse history bats this up, but as we've always heard in like basketball, it is tough to beat a team three times in one year. Um, and, uh, you know, we did play North Carolina really tight in that first game. Um, obviously, the second game kind of got away from us in the uh, ACC title, but... Uh, actually, no, it was a title. It was a close one. It was nine to four. Um, the first game was six, 17 to six. Um, but yeah, if we get to the national championship, I think this year, obviously I would love to win. It'd be very disappointed if we didn't, but it would, uh, 
I think it would be a really successful season for this team, considering obviously all of the hurdles that everyone's facing this year with COVID, but also the specific hurdles with this uh, women's lacrosse team this year with the injuries and everything else. So, um, yeah, it's a, it would be a good problem to have, I think, to get to the national championship. Obviously, if we get there, we will be very, very amped up to try to win the thing. But um, I think uh, overall, getting there would be a, a real accomplishment. But there's a lot of work to do before that. So don't want to get too far ahead. No, of course. And obviously, like if they could get, I mean, I, I think really the big, like a championship is is always a, a big plus, but I think for SU, it's kind of that process of, you know, elevating themselves from that second tier of the sport um, up to the first. And, and you know, the titles alluded them to this point, but otherwise they've been, you know, one of the most consistent programs in the country. So being able to jump up into that conversation by winning a championship, I think would be huge. Um, and it, it, and especially given the team we're about to talk about um, and, and their situation in terms of titles and final fours. Um, I, I, it'd be nice to see one of the uh, SU lacrosse programs elevate themselves to that conversation. Yeah. It would really be like, it would feel like a kind of like a capping of what has been a long, like dr- drawn out process. And we talked about this a lot, like a week or two ago, um, the women's lacrosse team has just been floating like right under where like North Northwestern was for a couple of years. Maryland was, we're like, this is a bona fide, like one of the, one of the like go-to women's sports teams in the NCAA. And like, it just needs a title to, to really unlock that. Um, so hopefully this is the year, but like, again, the fact that they put themselves in contention for a national championship almost every year is uh, really laudable. So hopefully, uh, hopefully this, uh, this is the year, but we'll see. But um yeah, I think this is a great, great situation in terms of the bracket. It really couldn't have worked out much better. And and honestly, on the men's side, even though much different situation as an unseated team, kind of the same thing. Yeah, I mean, great draw. Honestly, like Georgetown's not going to be an easy game by any means. Uh, at the same time, uh, we talked about this like a couple weeks ago. Like, what if you made the whole plane out of Virginia? Uh, we might find <laughs> out. <laughs> Virginia cannot. Virginia fans. I didn't. I wasn't on Twitter at all yesterday. Uh, Virginia fans to not be happy if I had to guess that they aren't. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I know a friend of the blog, Caroline was, 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 was not thrilled. <laughs> I mean, it, granted, if this was us and it was like the reverse and like, we were like having a really good year, but this one like, like pit, it was like a pit basketball thing oh, yeah. where like we have this great bracket, but we lost to pit twice. And then pit is like the, the nine seed in our, in our bracket. And we're the one I'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah. I, if, if I were them, I, I'd be, I'd be very, very annoyed that, that an unseeded Syracuse, some might call them a double digit seed. Uh, if you'd like to, to draw a metaphor out a bit, um, gets to face a favorite, should be favorite Virginia team. Um, and, and just have, just a lot staring down at them in terms of uh, SU versus Virginia um, comebacks and upsets um, in recent seasons. So hopefully we get to see that um, SU faces Georgetown on uh, March 15th. Um, it's a primetime game um, to close out the Saturday action. Um, and then the following uh, Saturday would be the game against Virginia or Bryant uh, potentially. Uh, if we see that, I know Kevin was joking on Twitter that uh that either way, there's some uh, some some scores to be settled, I guess. Um, you know, Bryant famously uh, perhaps uh, knocked us off in the tournament a few years ago. I always forgot about that. Like, usually, I feel like it's Army that's like the team that it usually comes is. out of nowhere. But like, Army's the famous uh, underdog against us in the tournament. I think it's happened twice. I forgot about the Bryant game, but yeah, you're right. Um, I, I'm not going to say I would rather face Virginia than Bryant, but I guess there is some like fear of the unknown there. Um, 
Georgetown it will be tough. Georgetown won the Big East this year. Uh, has been really solid all year. We have no common opponents with them, so it's hard to really make a comparison. Also, this year, it's just hard to compare stuff. Um, but they had a really, really nice season. They did lose to Loyola at the end of the regular season in a, one of their two non-conference games. The other one came against Mount St. Mary's. Um, but they ran through the Big East, basically. Like They had one loss to Denver along the way, but that was it uh, before they lost to Loyola in the non-conference. So... Um, one of the better Georgetown teams of recent vintage. We always played Georgetown pretty well when we were conference mates with them. Um, obviously, lacrosse, Georgetown lacrosse is not the same kind of rivalry that uh, Georgetown basketball is. Uh, and also, like Syracuse is not hurting for lacrosse rivalry, so it was, would be hard for it to develop into one. But it is an interesting storyline that we do have them of all schools. Um, and yeah, it's hard to hard to really know what we're getting into here because of the lack of non-conference games played, you know, not, not just between our, our teams, but like, there's just no like opponents here. Yeah. And, and honestly, like what makes this more interesting too, is the fact that uh, Denver had, had won the big East. Uh, you could have seen this switched. Uh, so we could have ended up in a weird, like I actually, I'm glad we're facing Georgetown over Denver just because I think that Denver is a more dangerous, like high, I think at the, at the top level, Denver's a more dangerous team, even if Georgetown ended up the better team um, in big East play. I think Denver just has proven itself enough uh, over the last however many years of playing high level lacrosse where like when you see that in the come come up in the uh the NCAAs, it's not not fun. Um Georgetown, you know, they've had plenty of success in lacrosse generally, but it hasn't been like that really high level type success. Yeah, I I I'd absolutely agree there. So Dan, I guess here, uh before we hit halftime, do you think do you think that's the Syracuse men's team finds themselves in the uh championship weekend? I weirdly do. I think, I don't know. It, it's really tough because of how hectic these last couple of weeks for this program have been. Um, I I don't know that there's going to be like, a, I can see it going either way. It wouldn't shock me if they, they have just so exhausted um, both from a long season, from all the COVID stuff um, from finals and everything else. And then like the whole situation with Stanlin, which has just been a nightmare for everyone involved. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me if they showed up and just were really flat and it would be hard to blame them. Um, it also wouldn't shock me with how they've responded to that situation. If this was like kind of a galvanizing thing and we've seen them play really up and down the last couple of weeks, but like, you know, they played relatively well, at least really well offensively against Robert Morris. They got that second one in its Virginia. Um, but then like the North Carolina and Notre Dame games were, were pretty disappointing. So it's, uh, it's been so rocky the last couple of weeks, but I will stay po- optimistic. I do, think there's at least a fair chance that we just happen to get a draw here and find ourselves in the final four in a in surprising fashion like we know this team is a high ceiling um it's played really well like that duke game still can't get out of my head where like they were a couple inches really from beating a really really great duke team at duke uh, on a crazy comeback and everything's kind of skidded after that and then throw in like a standal and losing you know obviously losing a great player for, you know, on the field stuff, but then also having this crazy situation within the program. It's like, it's really hard to not be surprised by how things have gone, um, all things considered. But, you know, maybe they find a way to, to bind together and, and really uh, try to focus their energies on this. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. It, it, it's nothing will, sh- nothing will shock me this, this, coming, uh, this, this coming weekend at all. Oh yeah. I mean, realistically, if we just like, if everything just got too much for us and, you know, given the, everything that's happened with Scanlon news and, and just in general, like it's just been a weird season uh, for the men's lacrosse team. I could see us losing to Georgetown. I could see us somehow like Virginia figuring something out and yeah, I could see us ending up um, in the final four. I think 
you know, don't really want any part of North Carolina, uh, but I also don't want to root for Rutgers. <laughs> so realistic, I think that they're probably the, I mean, Lehigh's ranked eighth, but I think Rutgers is probably a little bit better um, and has maybe a higher ceiling there. Um, I think ultimately we'd probably fall to North Carolina um, in a national semifinal, but given everything that this team's gone through, the general record that they've had, um, I think if SU wound up losing in a final four game to North Carolina, I'd consider this season a success um, based on what we've seen. I think coming into the season, uh, I think, I think a loss to North Carolina in the, um, in the final four would have been considered a failure given just the, the level of talent on this roster. Yeah, it, it'd be it'd be weird because, like, I guess you'd be impressed making the Final Four after all that's happened. But then you obviously, like, there's going to be a lot to answer for in the offseason. And very little of it has to do with the lacrosse. Um, but that's obviously another discussion for another time. Um, but, yeah, it, I, I it seemed like, honestly, I've been really impressed with how the other players have handled all of this. Um, and, and there's something to be said about, like, stereotypes about lacrosse culture and whatnot. Um, I think our program has probably responded uh, on a player level um, a lot more graciously and uh, just in the way that you would hope. Um, so that, that's been good to see. So it's, 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 I think for the guys who are playing this uh, coming weekend and next weekend, I think uh, it's, it's pretty easy to root for them right now. So hopefully they get it. They, you know, bring things together and have a, a nice end to the season here. Agreed. Agreed. All right, Dan, uh, what have you been doing uh, for the last few days and uh, what have you been drinking? Uh, so uh, I've been kind of just through stuff I've had in the fridge recently. I've been drinking uh, some of the Evil Twin cans I bought. I went into that last weekend. If you want to go back and listen to our beer exploits, uh, but still have plenty of that left. Um, my friend and friend of the program, Adam, uh, was down here a couple weeks ago and brought me a bomber of his homebrewed uh, gingerbread stout, which was really, really nice, really balanced. Um, pretty easy drinker too for a stout. Uh, so I went through that. Uh, and then I was down the shore this weekend. I unfortunately didn't get over to the, to the, to a brewery or to a liquor store to get some local Jersey shore stuff. Uh, there was mostly like goose Island and stuff that we had around. So, uh, just kind of a clear out weekend, but hopefully more, more to come this weekend as I, uh, get through the rest of the stuff in the fridge here. Very nice. Uh, this end had a few different things, uh, had, uh, red wine, infinite wishes, uh, from smog city. Uh, I mentioned this beer before this is just the 2021 variant. Uh, well they had 2021, there were four variants and the standard infinite wishes, uh, this is the red wine barrel aged version. It's usually a bourbon barrel aged um, beer. So I have three different uh, ones left in the fridge um, that I'll get around to. And uh, I wrapped up the uh, the first go around on the uh, Topo Chico hard seltzer. Had the uh, tangy lemon lime. Uh, my wife was a big fan of that one. I was not. Um, pineapple uh, was, was still my, uh, my go-to. Um, out of those... Um, I finished up the four pack of a uh, double dry hopped. Yeah. Yeah. From Highland park it was a hazy IPA. And then um, modern times collaborated with Highland park and green cheek, um, which orange County brewery uh, for how you doing. It was a uh, new England IPA with what was added up. Uh, it was a coconut orange and citrus peel were added to this one. Uh, super interesting beer. Um, I know I've been like drinking more hazies lately, despite my usual, uh, hazy disparagement and pretty good. I have a, I have a bunch more in there, um, in the fridge. So I'll, I'll probably mostly be drinking that next weekend. Um, so I might not have a, a ton of new to report, but we'll see. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. The, the, I, I don't know. I've been, I think anything with coconut, obviously that's like kind of a 
hit or miss flavor for a lot of people, but most coconut beers, I feel like uh, people handle pretty well. Yeah. And obviously like, you know, you get three really good breweries. Uh, you'll probably end up with something pretty good there. Um, I'm a big coconut fan. I do feel like for the most part, like coconut in an IPA can sometimes go wrong. Uh, That's I, definitely I think, a more unique because like stouts and, and porters, I think generally it's like a pretty easy flavor to fit in there. Yeah. It's it like, just like using like vanilla or something. Yeah. Like it just fades over time, really. If you just like wait too long or it just doesn't like come off successfully. But mm. yeah, IPA, it's definitely a little bit more unique. Guess let's jump into the second half. Uh, I used half in quotes because we definitely have less than that amount of time remaining before my children arrive. Dan, I know Andy decided to try to get people mad online last week by saying that Tommy <laughs> DeVito's pretty much got the job um, under center for next year. I guess, do you agree? And what do you think Garrett Trader has to do to uh, supplant him? It's really funny because I thought that was such like a non-hot uh, take from Andy. Like, yeah, Tommy DeVito's probably going to start. <laughs> like, that's not that Trump. That's not that crazy. Uh, he's like the he's the guy who knows the playbook. He's been in the system. He's uh, Dino's handpicked uh, recruit. He's had some really high level games. Uh, I think a lot of his struggles can be attributed to offensive line issues. That it sounds like uh, reading not really between the lines, but reading like whatever there is to read because uh, Dino has been more closed off than his couple predecessors, which is crazy because they were pretty closed off. Um, it sounds like the offensive line's coming along. So and with new leadership there, so yeah, I mean, I think. Tommy was always going to be the favorite to start this year. It also helps that Schrader has a bunch of years left. So this wasn't like we need him to come in and save the program in year one. So yeah, it's uh, it's, I thought that was a pretty reasonable, like pretty much kind of the, the, the default, what this is probably going to be take and not like some crazy, like off the wall thing. Like he didn't say, uh, he didn't say Jacoby and Morgan was in the coming start. <laughs> he said the guy who started the last two years and also played really well the year before that is in a start. And uh, yeah, that's probably it if he's healthy and the offensive line's good. If the offensive line's bad, then again, A, we're probably going to have to win very many games. Um, B, maybe it makes more sense to try to get Schrader in there uh, because he can just do more. Um, he's he, he's the one who's going to be able to, uh, to just... Uh, kind of figure stuff out i think easier with his legs um more closer i don't want to call him a dungy because that's a, like a really cheap comparison and i don't think they actually play that similar but he has more dungy like qualities um so yeah I, I think if the offensive line is average i think yeah devito's devito's going to be uh the more likely starter and i think no matter what he's gonna be the week one starter yeah i i i think really like you know, Schrader obviously has learned the playbook. Schrader hasn't really played quarterback in a couple of years now. I do think that DeVito is going to start week one, but that doesn't mean by any means that like DeVito is, you know, the only guy um, that could get the ball here. I think realistically, um, you know, Babers has stuck with his guys for the most part. Uh, but if things look rocky, I mean, Babers understands what's at stake here. Um, and really, if this is like, if it's a five and seven season where things are close, I think you see, you know, Babers and co stick around. Uh, but if things go off the rails considerably, I mean, all bets are off on what could happen. I, I think that realistically, like the first four games uh, are going to be pretty telling for this offensive line for DeVito. Uh, they've got a road game at Ohio. They got Rutgers, um, Albany and Liberty. Really, if you're any worse than, I mean, I hate to say two and two is the standard here, but really like if you're two and two um, and, and the passing game doesn't look any better, um, I, I think you might have to make the change. And by that point, hopefully, 
you know, someone like Schrader is, is, is ready to go and, and, and you bring in his mobility um, as a potential differentiator here to kind of change up the offense going into ACC play. But I don't love what, I don't love there's that there's so much anti-DeVito sentiment, not because he hasn't earned it, I guess, but just because like realistically, like I feel, I feel like the, the look at this team going into the season, I, I think that the 10 and three year. And I said this at the time could be the worst thing that ever happens to this group as a fan base, because I think that now even looking at the team and knowing that this is like kind of a six and six, seven and five team, that you still have like so many people kind of saying, well, yeah, this team sucks, but also if they don't win seven games, like fire everybody. Like, I, I guess it's like, which is it? Cause I feel like those two ideas like might not necessarily jive with one another. Yeah. It, it it's the, the, the legacy of the 10 and three team is super fascinating because it really jumpstarted expectations to a place where they can't meet them. Like we, and, and, and we were guilty of it too. Like realistically, of fueling up a nine and three campaign in 2019 that was probably never going to happen anyway. Yeah, and I don't even feel like we did it. Like I, even looking back, like I totally get why that happened. Like on paper, you kind of understood, um, or it kind of looked like that would be the case, and and it comes down to just like we there have been some factors of this team uh most mostly i think in my opinion the offensive line issues that are just haven't even come close to being solved so um yeah i think it just a lot of it comes back to that and i know that seems probably a little reductive but it's hard to overstate both how important offensive line is for every team but also how bad the offensive line has been like we haven't just had a, a bad or like a like a bottom third offensive line we've been like among the worst in all of college football and like you can get you can get by in the ACC with like a subpar offensive line. You cannot get by with the one we've had. Um, so a lot of it, just both in this quarterback battle and just the season as a whole, is going to rely on that getting up to like at least something flirting with average. And I really wish we could have seen what uh, mostly two years ago would have looked like if we if we got there last year. I think there were so many issues um, and so many things fell apart and like just unbelievable uh, like avalanche of injury issues that like. Obviously, I don't think that was a good team, but I also don't think most years that team would have finished with one win. Um, so, it, yeah, it, it's... Uh, I think, ultimately, if you trust that things are getting under, under control, and I, I really like the offensive line hire. I like that we are going back into the San Diego State well for that position because that program has proven that it knows how to block up front and knows how to create lanes for its runners, and and the passing game has been pretty effective in sup, uh, supplementing that. Um so, yeah, I do have, like, a little bit of optimism there. Um, and we've just, like, recruited so many guys to those positions. Um, you have to hope that you figure some stuff out. But, yeah, ultimately, that's why I think DeVito is kind of locked in. And also, like, it would be kind of unrealistic for Schrader to have a super great grasp of a very different offense at this point. Like, it's not sim- that similar to what Mullen was running at Mississippi State when he was there, uh, which was the last time that he uh, he was really playing quarterback. So, um, yeah, I think... I think Schrader will be a very interesting figure this fall if DeVito falters or if we have other things designed for him. Hopefully, if we're blowing out some teams and we want to just get him in there and, and see what he has. Um, but uh, I think he is more looking to the year after. And then hopefully, we have a very interesting situation post-DeVito where it's like Schrader versus Lampson, who are probably more similar than DeVito and Schrader, but also still not the same quarterback. And then we'll we'll really learn some things. Is that an, Hopefully, that means Dino's had a decent year with DeVito, and that'll come back to like, his recruit versus like 
the guy he brought in for a real specific reason as a transfer and who also has a lot more experience. So hopefully we get to a point where like we can really uh, enjoy that quarterback debate and not worry about like a coaching change or whatever, because hopefully we get back to a bowl this year and we just kind of get things onto some decent footing. Yeah. And really like DeVito could stick around another year after this too. That's true. Yeah. If he wanted to, but like, I guess, why would you, it would, that would be weird. I think if he had a good year, but not a great year this year, and he wasn't really on draft talks, and then he's like, well, maybe I can come back and throw for 4,500 yards, maybe. Yeah, and break every record just like by like a war of attrition, not like actual. <laughs> I think that's that's the path for DeVito coming back, is if right. A, he likes being here, B, he has a good 2021, but not a 2021 that gets him into like real NFL draft talks, but he thinks if he comes back for one more year and just like lights up the ACC, he could fall into like a third day pick. I guess that's like, at the same time though, like could he fall into a day three pick if he's like 24, which would basically be what we're looking at. Well, I don't, it depends. Cause I, I, I don't think a lot of teams are looking to draft their like quarterbacks of the future on day three anyway. So I think there it's either trying to catch like lightning in a bottle or um, just like a nice depth die. And maybe right. they think they can find that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly not obvious. I don't know how old Davido is now. What? Well, he, I mean, if he, if he played through the entirety of his eligibility, he's basically looking at six years, right? Because you have your red shirt. So yeah, you get red shirt the first year. Yeah, um, so then you get a red shirt, then you get the COVID red shirt, and so then yeah, he almost four years. <laughs> he'd be twenty-four you know, Yeah. But again, it's not, it's not, I mean, it means something in NFL for sure. Like if you look like, you know, juniors get drafted at a pretty high level, especially in the first round. So he was born August, 1998. So if he was in the 2020, are we saying he'd be in the 2023 NFL draft? Um, It'd be, yeah, yeah, it'd be 24, turning 25. So that's tough. That's pretty old, but you know, it's not, it's not insurmountable in the NBA. It would be no shot. Hey, this Dad, is also this is like incredibly hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is this, hopefully this is, hopefully we have the issue of like Tommy had a nice year, maybe he can come back, but like we also bunch of other quarterbacks too. So yeah, we'll see. Agreed. Uh, Dan, to close us out here. Uh, did want to bring up the one article I had on Monday around uh, which network Syracuse football games appear on, and I think we have more games on national TV. I went with. Well, I, I, I won't consider ACC Network national TV if only because it's not picked up everywhere. So for me, I had one, two, I think I had two, maybe three games on national you TV. You had Clemson on ESPN. Ohio, and on, Ohio ESPN. on ESPNU. And everything okay, else was ACC Network or RSNs. I mean, so much of this is just like both. Um, it's hard to know how it will be. But also, it's hard to know how like a Louisville or a Virginia Tech or even a Florida State will be because right. like if Florida State or Virginia Tech has like a big turnaround year, um, especially like FSU, like that's a team that's going to be on national TV almost every week. Now, if Florida State's still like trying to find itself for the sixth year in a row, then yeah, ACC Network team is more likely. Yeah, but also issue... Syracuse, you know, Syracuse needs to be decent for yeah. all things considered. Like SU needs to be the problem is like for SU, I feel like to get out of the ACC network RSN like twelve thirty or two or three thirty kind of situation is that you need to be not just five hundred but better, um, and especially like if 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 Pitt's middling, if Wake Forest is middling, if like BC, Louisville, like there's just so much lim- they're just it's limited interest really, and that's really what the, the curse of the Atlantic um, for a lot of these teams. Just we don't 
there's not a lot of national intrigue beyond Clemson, Florida State for any of these teams, even if they're good. Like like NC State, same deal. Like there's just there's just so much limited interest outside of those fan bases, outside of those regions. I really think like if we're facing Pitt or BC at the end of every season, like there's just and I said this in the article, there's just no way that game is anywhere but an RSN joint. Like there, it just it's 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 impossible. Um, again, unless both teams are ranked or one team, you know, catches lightning in a bottle. I mean, I even think the, I even think the 2018 game was, was an RSN game, wasn't it? Between Syracuse and BC. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I feel like last year there were generally fewer RSN games though. I think a lot more was on ACC network, which is obviously preferable. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have, they got rid of most of that contract, but it still exists to some extent, um, with Raycom. So yeah. yeah, maybe we don't have as many. I think, I think I looked at the numbers. It was four RSNs, five were ACC Network. One was ESPN, and one was NBC last year. Yeah, that sounds right. And like, and for RSNs, like I think we definitely like we're near the top of the list in terms of um, who ended up there. Um, five were ACC Network. I mean, really, yeah, if we're bad again, or or even if we're just like five hundred or worse. Um, again, even if we're not, you know, historically bad, uh, I think you still see most of these games end up being, you know, ACC network nooners, um, or like mid afternoon stuff. It's, it's just so tough. And, and honestly, once again, like, I just think being in the Atlantic, like the ceiling for most of the, not the ceiling, see the, the, the average for most of these programs, again, save Florida state and Clemson is just so shrug worthy. That yeah, it, it is tough to kind of get out of those uh, those doldrums. Yeah, you'd hope that like obviously the Notre Dame thing kind of seems like uh, pretty unlikely at this point in terms of them coming, just because especially with the, the playoff potentially expanding or almost definitely expanding. Oh, yeah. um, and when it, when it does, drives, yeah, then there's definitely no chance. There's just so well, there's no incentive. There's no playoff based incentive. Like the incentive has to be yeah, you, know, you have to find a way for them to just make a lot more money with the ACC. And that's possible because you did a renegotiated ESPN deal uh, or a renegotiated media deal in general. Um, but it just seems like the main incentive is gone. But hopefully the a byproduct is just the fact that we had no divisions this past season. Um, and like there were more compelling ACC games in general, I thought, um, mostly because you had Notre Dame and you had Clemson all over the place. Um, but hopefully that has them re-examine the divisions in general because that's just it just needs to happen. We need to get rid of these divisions. They're 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 really holding back a lot for a lot of teams. Yeah, I agree. Um, utter trash by and large. <laughs> Fix them pods or uh, or the, uh, the the permanent rivals setup that I've, uh, I've I've stumped for a few times. Yeah, it's not like there aren't ideas out there for them. Like we've the internet's made so many, and yet. We'll get there one day. I, uh, I, I, I have moderate faith um, on that front. Uh, I think we should, we should kind of call it there, Dan, uh, unless you had any other, uh, any other notes you wanted to, to add in here. No, I think that's pretty much it for me. All right. Well, on that, um, that was Dan. I'm John. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to Train News and Apple Loop Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, Tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.